So this is us, Integrate. We're on the second board there. We've got, in case you missed last week, we've got a wonderful four assimilation boards up that you guys can go and, like Heather said, interact with. So today we are on Integrate Be With Jesus by joining his family. And I have the pleasure of speaking to you tonight about community and home groups and how we can get connected into the life of this church. So without further ado, um, Shepard, can you put the slide up of Mishi and Asipe? So this is Michelle White and Asipe, and they are two amazing girls that are a part of our home group. They have both radical testimonies of finding a job. And they came to both, they, see, so I'll start with Mishy. Let's start with Mishy on the left. Mish actually just popped into our home group a few times, but the one day she came and she shared with us that she is needing, she's got her eye on this job that she really wants, and would we please, please pray for her? And it's like a dream job for her. She'd actually be moving to Pretoria and like um, impacting the government, national health, and it was really a dream job for her. So we gathered around her as a home group and we started declaring and prophesying over her that by the end of this week, that week she would she would get news back about her job and we actually I remember clearly everyone declaring that she would receive a salary that far exceeded her expectations so um, she was like Jesus is so kind two days later Mish writes back to me and she says Jan you won't believe it I got a heard word of this job and the salary is like way more than I ever thought so she left for Pretoria and she gave me permission to share her story so Asipe has another very similar story, and these two girls have given me the permission to share his, their stories. But Asipe also joined our home group in about January, and she was contracting um, at, a at a company, and her contract came to an end. And it was very sad because during her, she, her contract came to an end, so she was unemployed, and she, her mother died. So she was in a really hard, hard place, and it was a very sad story because Asipu was actually studying part-time and she was coming up to graduate and she really wanted her mom to be at her graduation and now her mom couldn't join her. But God is so kind and he just lavishes his love on us. And so her graduation was on the Friday. I think she had just got home like the week before. Her graduation was coming up and while she's, we prayed, prior to this, we gathered around her again, prayed for a job for her consistently and relentlessly. And we just faithfully prayed every week that God would provide something for her. And then on the Friday, while she's sitting at graduation, she gets a call and they, uh, they've offered her a job and she was to start like that coming Monday. So God is so kind that on her graduation day, when she already felt such a void with her mom not being there, he just lavished his love on her by giving her this job from heaven. So praise be to God. So why do I tell you these stories? I'll tell you because this is two of probably about six to eight stories in our home group of actually just job fulfillment in this year that we've prayed for jobs and God's provided. And so this is us. This is our home group. This is us. This is the church. This is us standing in the gap for each other. This is us contending for the promises of God for each other. 
This is us holding each other's arms up when we're too tired and too weary. This is us celebrating each other's victories and successes. This is us believing for each other when we don't have the capacity to believe for ourselves. This is us calling the gold out in each other and speaking life over each other. This is us. We are loved and adopted by, the fam by God and this makes us family and that changes everything. So this is us, guys. So we actually live in a time um, in history where there's actually a thing called the epidemic of loneliness. And uh, it's very real. I went and, and did the faithful old Google and pulled up some amazing stats. But did you know that people today who are lonely are 32% more likely to, to die in early age than their more connected peers? And loneliness is as damaging as smoking 15 cigarettes a day. Loneliness is becoming a worldwide epidemic. And South Africa, this astounded me, South Africa is actually ranked number eight in the top 10 countries in the world for loneliness. 24% of South Africa lives alone. And the increase in the number of lonely people is generating a new industry of companionship. You can actually get things like rent a friend, pay for cuddles, dine with strangers. And the British Prime Minister, Theresa May, actually appointed the world's first um, Minister of Loneliness in 2018, January 2018, making the fight against isolation the, the central business of government. I mean, you know, making it a, a prime thing of government. Gen Z, as Nick said, Gen Z, predominantly the ages between 18 and 22 are actually the most loneliest generation in history. Loneliness is the number one fear of young people today. It actually ranks ahead of not finding a job or losing a home. And so much so that we create acronyms, millennials and Gen Z like FOMO, fear of missing out. And apps like we have Airbnb, if those of you who don't know what Airbnb is, it's where you can actually uh, buy, um, pay for accommodation in someone's home. I think it's actually fulfilling a need for community. But also co-work spaces, we want to gather around to be together as people. Social media, there's a new app on the market our friends developed called Open Seat, which is actually where you can invite strangers in the public in your area to come and dine with you at your table in Durban. This is not overseas. Come dine with me, the well-known program and Big Brother. So we can see that our world today, the society, is longing for community, is desperate for community. So I've got a picture of Robert Waldinger Shepherd on the next slide. This man is pretty incredible. He's the director of the Harvard study, which studies adult development. And this study is so amazing. They took 724 men and tracked their lives from 1938 to the present day. I think the oldest is about 92. And they've literally tried to find what makes them happy. And the results and the conclusions from this study so far has been that, um, has been that good relationships keep us healthier and happier, period. That social connection is really good for us, and loneliness actually kills. We are designed to survive in tribes. It's quite outstanding. So our society today is desperate for community and is understanding that we are actually designed for community. So we've looked at the world and what society and modern day times 
is longing for. Now let's look at biblical community and how God has actually designed us. So Rodney Stark, who's a sociologist and actually wrote a book um, called The Up the like the rising of Christianity, and he studied the growth of the early church in the New Testament. And he says that the early church is arguably the most, the most remarkable sociological movement in history. So I love this stat. It says in AD 40, so 40 years after the death of Jesus, there were about um, 1,000 Christians in the Roman Empire. 310 years later, in AD 350, the church grew from 1,000 Christians to 30 million Christians. That meant that 53% of the population had now put their faith and had converted to the Christian faith. And I think this is incredibly remarkable, and a lot of people have put studies and times into it, time into it to studying how the church grew so rapidly. So we're gonna just literally scratch the surface of that today. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn with me to Acts 2 verse 42. We've also got it on that board, but I've got it on the screens for us. So I'm just going to read it. Can I quickly just give you context? So um, before this happened, the Pentecost happened. So for those of you who don't know what Pentecost is, it's when the Holy Spirit descended on the apostles in the, in the upper room. And um, the, Holy, the Holy Spirit fell, and... Peter gives a sermon because he was filled with the Holy Spirit and compelled to speak out. And then this is what happened. It says, they devote and they continually steadfastly, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, in the breaking of bread and in prayers. Then fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. <laughs> Maybe the Holy Spirit's come. <laughs> It's the wind. Now all who believed were together and had all things in common and sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as anyone had need. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate food, their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. So the church in this day had no mission statement. They had no core values, and we love core values here. And they had no social media. They had no Macs. They had no WhatsApps. They had no postal service. They had no emails. I want you to like really think about the fact that they grew remarkably with no like form, like form of communication that we use today. They had no new members program, no discipleship program, yet they grew radically. So the power of Pentecost, as I said, Pentecost had just happened, and it was when the Holy Spirit fell. The power of Pentecost was manifested in tangible communities, like in Acts 2 verse 42, living and loving one another. So the fruit of Pentecost is small communities, as we see here. So I just wanna stress that again. Pentecost happened when the Holy Spirit fell on everybody, and then small communities were birthed. And, they, and I, I love that the New King James Version actually puts in there, and they continued. So 3,000 3, people were saved and gave their lives to Jesus, and they continued steadfastly um, to the apostles' teaching, etc., etc. So what is a home group? You may be sitting here being like, that is such Christianese language. What on earth is a home group? 
what is a small community? You keep throwing out these words. Small a small community, a home group, is basically just small gatherings of people that meet together in each other's homes or even at the station or somewhere during the week. We call them things like home group, our groups, Sprouts is our mom's group, um, Seedlings is our toddler's groups. It's just really small gatherings of people. What do we do in home groups? I thought we could be super practical. What do we do? So in our home group, I can tell you about our home group, we sometimes eat together and everybody brings parts of meals, part of the meal to contribute to the table. Um, and then we gather, we chat, we find out e about each other's weeks. We sometimes t open the word and do a little Bible study together. Sometimes not. Sometimes we pray for each other or prophesy over each other. Sometimes we worship. We just basically have fun. This last week, we actually just had a bra and we hang, hang out as together just because we hadn't seen each other for a little while. So that is what we do in a home group. And tonight, um, how am I doing here? Sorry, my time is good, okay. So I've got four points. I'm not gonna go too long into each of the points, but onto why we need to be a part of communities. Why, like how do we radically grow? How do we grow as Christians? Why does, why does society see the desperate need for community? But why, more importantly, has God designed us to survive in tribes? Has God, desi God designed us for community, for wanting to be together? And this, I thought today, I actually made Nick and I, we went to the shop because I've got four C's and I want you to remember them. So I went and bought this so we can remember them. <laughs> We've got four C's as to why we are designed for community. The first one is Christ. And the most important is Christ. So Christ died for us so that we could have communion with him, period. It is the most, it's, it's the rock on which we stand. It's the foundation for everything. If we have Christ, yeah, um, it, he is our foundation. In Genesis 3 verse 7, we see that Adam and Eve ate from the, the, the tree of good and evil, and then they felt so ashamed and so full of sin, and Leanne actually brought that word that someone was feeling shameful or full of sin, and they went and hid away because they were so actually shameful of what they had done and guilty, and they didn't want God to find them out. And God's response to them hiding, he says, where are you? It says, Genesis 3 verse 7, where are you? And I feel like tonight, actually, just to echo Leanne's word, where are you? God is actually searching you out, pursuing you wholeheartedly because he wants community with you. He died for you. He went to the cross to deal with your sin and your shame and um, your regrets and everything that you feel is separating you from accessing Jesus Christ. He went to the cross so that you could live in freedom, so that you could live in perfect relationship with him and perfect communion. And you know what it means, guys? It means that when, when Jesus went to the cross, he took my sin, my shame, my guilt, my regret, he took it and he gave me his cloaks of righteousness. So whenever he looks at you, when you put your faith in Jesus, when he looks at you, he's looking at you through the lens of Jesus, the perfect lamb. And so I really actually felt tonight, and I brought a word at the prayer meeting, I really feel that God actually wants to, he is saying to you tonight, where are you? Because I died to know you. And so if you want to put your faith in Jesus, 
we're going to do an altar call at the end. And if your heart's beating now, it's because he's saying, I want to know you. So the first C, Christ. The second C is cultivate. So cultivate, why do we need to be a part of a small community or a group? It's because we get to cultivate our relationship with Jesus. So we've just put our faith in Jesus. Now we need to cultivate our relationship with Jesus. And what better way than to do that in a gathering of people? Why? Because actually when I sit in a lounge or I sit in a dining room or around a table with people, every single person is actually representing an aspect of God's character because we're all made in the image of God. So we all resemble a part of who he is. So when we sit there and we say, what is this person going to show me about God? He will show you. So when we're in a community together, people reflect different parts of God's heart. Just like a diamond, I'm just going to picture of a diamond like swiveling or a disco ball even, and it's reflecting different lights and parts. That is exactly what it's like when you're sitting in a small group of people. They're all reflecting parts of God's heart. In Acts 2, we see that 3,000 were added in one day. Sorry, that's me that I keep messing it around. We see that 3,000 were added to them in one day. Is that better? Putting their faith in Jesus. What, I was just asking myself, like, what was their program? Their program literally was to get into each other's homes, to devote to the teaching of the apostles, to break bread together, to eat together. These people even believed in the radical generosity of the Father, that they sold their estates and their land so that they could give to people who had nothing, who they could give to people in need. Can you actually imagine having a home and being like, oh my gosh, someone needs something, I'm going to sell my home and I'm going to use all the money and give it to this, these people so that in my community there's no one lacking anything. I mean, that's pretty radical, right? Honestly, I don't, I, I don't even know if I would do that, so it challenges me to the core to be like, would I be willing to lay my life down for my brothers and sisters? Because this is what the community in the Bible talks about. So how do we cultivate our faith? Join a community. It's biblical, and God put a desire in your heart for it. My second, my second C is connect. Third C, sorry, is connected. Connect. And I love that Shelly actually in her video said connected and Gary popped it out before they knew that I had the next year of connected. So we have been designed for community. Every single, like I said, every single person on this planet is made in the image of God. And in Genesis 1 verse 26, it says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness. Let me just say that again. Let us... Uh, emphasis on the us, make man an our, emphasis on the our, image, after our likeness. So theologians believe that, actually, that God is speaking about the Trinity, which is the Father, the Holy Spirit, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You see, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit dwell together in perfect communion, perfect community. They are like perfect community, and we are made in the image of God. We are made in their image after our likeness, Genesis 1 verse 26 says, which means we are designed for community. We have been made from the very beginning of time with a, with a need to feel like we belong. We will not be satisfied without community. Jesus teaches us that in order to grow spiritually, we need to be connected relationally. And we know this, Jesus picked 12 guys to journey with for three years. And he didn't pick 20, 
He didn't pick one, he picked 12. Why, in my personal opinion, and this is not founded in, in quite like the, theology, but my opinion it's because he actually wanted to demonstrate that there is power in, in the community. There's power and there, there is life in small intimate circles and journeying together with life and, and being together all the time. Carl F. George wrote a book and it's called Prepare Your Church for the Future. And what this man did, what Carl did, is that he went through the New Testament, for those of you who don't know who he is, he went through the New Testament and he did a study where he pulled out the 59 one another's of the New Testament. So he looked wherever it said one another and he pulled it out. And I actually did print, the, for those who love to study, I print there's 30 documents here. So if you want to come get the 59 one another's of the New Testament, you can come grab one afterwards. But just some of them quickly. John 13 says, love one another. 1 Corinthians 11 says, when you come together to eat, wait for each other. Not if you come together to eat, when you come together. Carry each other's burdens. That's what we did when Asipe's mom died. We carried that burden with her. Teach one another. Make your love increase and overflow for each other. 1 Thessalonians. 1 Thessalonians, encourage each other. Pray for each other. Offer hospitality to one another. These are all, all through the New Testament. And Hebrews 10, spur one another on toward love and good deeds, deeds, not giving up meeting together, as some of, you, some of you are actually in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. So just to end this point of connect, I love this, this verse. We, we know I mean, the one another's. God has called us to be with one another because he's got something so valuable to teach us and show us, and he's going to love us through each other even. Christine Pohl says, the character of our shared life as congregations, communities, and families has the power to draw people into the kingdom of God or push people away from it. How we live together is the most persuasive sermon we'll ever be able to preach. Isn't that amazing? I really believe that community, Glenridge carries community. And if you are feeling like you're on the outskirts or you're feeling like you're battling to belong, or if you are going through a tough time, I have to ask you the question, are you in a community? And how regularly do you go? Not just not to put condemnation on anyone, but honestly, guys, when we are knitted into family and doing life together, the, the burden, the, his yoke is easy and, the, and his burden is light. And when we're together work, working through this life together, there's so much joy in doing it with someone on either side of me. My last point tonight, is contribute, my last C. So we've got Christ, that we called to have communion with Christ because he died for us. We have cultivate, that we got, we, we, we in small intimate circles to cultivate our relationship with Jesus through teaching the word, worshiping together, praying together. We called to connect with each other and we called to contribute. And Heather's actually gonna preach next next uh, Sunday morning and GT in the evening about how we actually invest, how that third one invests. So contributes, I'm not gonna go into too much detail, but 1 Peter 4 says, each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others. We need to, we need to be able to exercise our spiritual gifts in a safe place. So just some examples from our group. Louise Molyneux joined our group. She's not in our group anymore, but she did join our group. And Louise, for those of you who do know her, know that she has an incredible gift of hospitality. Whenever Louise arrived, she would arrive with like 
I remember the one home group, she just said, I'm gonna do dinner for you guys. And she literally arrived with like two massive trays of lasagna and then someone else did a salad. But every time Louise came, she was like, what are we eating like a few days before? She's like, have you thought about the dinner? What are we eating? And she just had this incredible gift of hospitality and making, like it felt like you were sitting in a, in a lounge with Louise. Kate Mundell often brings prophetic giftings and she's using the space, our small group community, to exercise and bring prophetic words for each other. Matt Phipps actually has an incredible revelatory gift, a teaching gift, and often when we discuss the word, he brings this incredible revelation that no one else saw. So home groups are a safe place for you to exercise your giftings. Love never fails. So if love never fails, you can never fail. We're called to exercise our gifts in a small group setting. I'm just gonna throw it in, There's, they're not on the, the slide, but four more C's, quickly, care. So we had Christ, cultivate, connect, contribute. We're called to care for each other. Home groups are covering a safe place. We're called to celebrate, call the gold out of each other, and we are called to create community wherever we go, into our workplace, into our daily life. So in summary, why communities? We're called to practice the biblical way, the way of Jesus. Small groups, why do we do small groups? Because we want to live like Jesus, we want to be with Jesus, and we want to do what he's doing. And Jesus demonstrated this with his 12 disciples so beautifully. So that's my priest. I, can I, I, I keep on getting this whole, the whole saying, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. And if you want to go at all, know Jesus. Yeah, I think Jan started off this whole thing of there, there are people here that you need to actually know the Lord first. And I want to tell you that we are here to do this thing together. So if you've been sitting here doing Jan's preaching, you've really felt this thing hit you. And even watching that, maybe you're getting a little bit emotional, but you're sitting your heart's beating and you know that you actually need to know the Lord. I'm going to ask you to stand up and to come to the front, not to look at you or make fun of you or do anything like that, but to know that you're a part of this together with us. So if there's anyone here, now is your time.